Big pod coming your way, everyone. We have both Connor and Tomes joining us. But first, Ian, let's get to a little housekeeping. Talk about our sponsor before we get to the show. Appreciate you guys all listening to us. It's a great episode coming up, so make sure you uh, you hang on. As always, though, make sure to check out our sponsor, Stephen Liambus Real Estate. Stephen's a top-producing realtor in the GTA, known for his extensive market knowledge and unmatched devotion to his clients. Whether you are looking to buy, sell, or lease, he is there to help guide you through every step of the way. Be sure to check him out on Instagram, at homesbystephen, or online at homesbystephen.ca. Enough of the plugs. Let's get to the podcast. Well, Ian, we're back for another episode, but we're doing something a little bit different here today. Normally, we have one of our friends of the show on, whether that's Connor Murphy or J.M. Tomei, to get, do our weekly week, uh, weekly picks with the NFL. It's a little crowded in here. Do you notice anything different? I noticed we got an Eagles fan in here. Got so an Eagles Tom- fan in here. We got Tom's here, so he's here. And we also have Connor here, so we got four of us here today. What's Swerved. up, boys? Pleasure to be here. What's up, guys? I, I like this setup. I'm not going to lie. Dude, three-timers club. Me and Tomes. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's, Let's do go. It. We and got you know what? And a extra shout-out to Tomes, who's coming on right now while his Eagles are playing. Uh, we agreed not to tell him the score as he has it recorded. So, thank yeah. you, Tomes, for coming on, even though your Eagles are playing the lowly Giants. So, I have to ask before we get started. If you lose, how do you feel? Before you answer, isn't it the Giants are playing the lowly Eagles? No, couldn't it be the other way too? No, the Eagles are. I mean, you could say that. Yeah, the lowest lowly boys are playing each other. Yes, thank you. No, Connor nailed it on the head right there. Um, Honestly, Ian, to answer your question, if if we lose this game, this is absolutely devastating. I mean, at this, at that point, I think you need to start thinking more towards twenty twenty one and 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 start thinking of a lower pick. Love that. Yeah. Right. If if we win this game, look, we're at two, four, and one. We're technically in first place in the division. And that tie starts to loom as important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Although that, you know, I can get into that game a million times over. That's not the point. But you you had mentioned something before we were talking. And if if Daniel Jones outperforms uh, Carson Wentz today, that is something that'll really get my brain going. Like, what is going on? I mean, we saw a little bit of Jalen Hurts at the end of of uh, or in the third quarter of that that game last week against Baltimore. Jalen time, baby. And it, it's you know what? Time. No, I'm not saying it's Jalen time. But what <laughs> it was nice was when he came in, it gave a different look, and it kind of provided somewhat of a spark. And it's just another weapon that they have, and they they have the the ability to use. You know, it's something that they're slowly working in with Doug Peterson. But I don't know. I, my I only the, concern. I have there, the game recorded, so we'll you, see after. We'll lost, see. My only concern. My only concern there is that if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. I was just so thinking that you are better to just if if Carson's your guy, and clearly he is given he he's look. Do I think he stinks right now? Yes, but he's given himself enough of the benefit of the doubt with his previous performance that we can we we got a little bit of time before we start pumping the Jalen train. So let's you, you hold on. You, you mean the the benefit of the doubt that he's getting because he came back on Baltimore in garbage time? That like no that no, no, no. I mean no, benefit I, I, of the doubt of being an MVP level performer before. 
Yeah, I'm before he just blew his knee season. out. Yeah, but I'm willing to give him the season until I say, hey, Jalen, we used a second-round pick on you because we're yeah. fucking stupid. No, no, and and here's the thing. I think we have not seen a lot of Jalen Hurts, but we're seeing more than what I honestly anticipated. And I, I think that is pre- only because of how many injuries there are on this offense, especially when it comes to receivers. And I think that's the only reason we have seen this, whether it's to give Carson some 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 breather, some rest from from how many shots he's taking. Mind you, we got the right side of the line back tonight. Lane's but, back. Yep. Yep. So we got a big we got a big episode. We got a lot to cover. Connor, we won't talk about the Eagles the entire night. Okay. Well, maybe maybe we'll talk some FSU just for you. Okay. Their, uh, their backdoor cover last week is part of the reason that I'm kind of poor right now. So if I could borrow five bucks, that'd be huge. Oh, it's devastating. Devastating. But let's get to the first topic, which we threw out on our Instagram. Ian created an incredible graphic, and it is relevant. There is Major League Baseball going on right now. The MLB World Series is going on right now with the Dodgers and the Rays. But there is a member of that team on the Dodgers who was famously not there a year ago. And it got us thinking about some of the worst trades that we can think of. Now, full disclosure, before I let Ian jump in here and take us through what Mookie's trade was. Full disclosure. We understand Babe Ruth's trade was absolutely egregious, okay? Being sold by the Red Sox to the Yankees so that the owner could fund his musical, No, No, Nanette. Okay, we... That is objectively. Oh, good. The, we have the precedent then. Objectively, the Red Sox have a precedent of, of doing this. Okay, good. They, it, it's that's objectively the worst trade, and you know everything else kind of falls just a shade below that. Um, so, Ian, why don't you walk us through first off what you looked at when it came to the worst trades? Because I know we all have a, have a different mentality, different criteria, in, in what matters to us. But with that said, can you walk us through that and also? Walk us through your bellow, Mookie Betts, going to the Dodgers. Okay, so I'm going to get this out of the way because we have an Angel fan on here in Connor. And to me, Mookie Betts is the best player in baseball, and it's a full stop. I think Mike Trout is amazing. I would love to see him play in a playoff game so he can, you know, we can prove and see that maybe he doesn't have the Clayton Kershaw issue where it doesn't always translate. So to me, Mookie's the best player in baseball. And... Look, I think to me, when when we look at trades, okay, and we look at the Mookie trade specifically, the reason why it pops up is so egregious is because you're talking about a guy who's coming off an MVP, coming off a title, traded squarely in his prime for basically nothing. And when you go back through all of sports history, there's not a lot of times where you're seeing guys that are traded squarely in their prime for absolutely zero. It really doesn't happen often. And I think what we see is we see that there are four different types of trades. There are the Kobe Bryant, Dirk Nowitzki type trades. Those are draft day deals. Those are, we are trading this draft choice that could be this player for X. And the X turns out being dog shit. But at the time, there's obviously no proof that's going to say, well, Kobe Bryant and Dirk Nowitzki are going to become those players from that draft pick. So, so like to, the hindsight division, basically. Right. So to me, that in this discussion, that type of trade would be eliminated. But 
doesn't make them any less egregious because it's one of those things where we don't know at the time. We don't know at the time. The second one is rebuilding teams, trading stars for picks or prospects. And this can go one of two ways. This can go Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce for an absolute insane haul, which turned out to be Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, which was awful as it was happening. But for the Nets, they saw it as an opportunity to take themselves to the next level. It also can go, you know, it can go the other way where the, the team is trading their star to get prospects and the prospects ends up stinking. Think Doc Holiday for Kyle Drabeck. The Jays get Drabeck and he predictably stinks, right? So that's number two. Number three is stupid management. So that's one of those things where, you know, it's it's a really bad trade, but it it didn't end up being catastrophic or setting your franchise back 10 5, 10, 20 years. So think of Andrea Bargnani from the Raptors to the Knicks. Objectively, an awful trade. Like, I don't know what the Knicks were thinking. Masai commits highway robbery there, but it didn't really alter, it didn't really alter the, you know, the 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 future of the Knicks in a way that it probably could have. Now, the Masai used Yaka Pertle to get Kawhi yep. Leonard. Yep. That certainly helped. The last one to me is the ones that we're talking about. That is an MVP level player given away for a stupid reason like finance. So that is James Harden to Houston. That is um, that Wayne is Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky. Exactly. That is Babe Ruth. That is Mookie Betts. And that's where we get to in this one. So really, me, really that, quick. That trade is in a special area there. Can't you argue that Mookie's also in category two? Because you don't know what Verdugo and those guys are going to be. I, I was going to add, it's it's the toughest, I think, in this baseball. This is the toughest. Especially yeah. when it comes to prospects, right? I don't disagree. The only reason why Mookie falls into the last category is because the Red Sox weren't intentionally trying to rebuild. No, and he's, I think and they he's were, a drop-dead superstar. No doubt MVP. Yes. And I think what they were trying to do was to retool. It was about the luxury tax. In the aggregate. Yeah. Yeah. They were trying to fill Mookie in the aggregate. That's exactly what they're trying to do between Verdugo, Pilar. That they were trying to moneyball it. Obviously, it went poorly. They were the worst team in baseball I watched this year. So, with that said, those to me are the criteria, the the, the different the different categories of trade. With that said, the Mookie Betts trade. If you guys want to go through exactly what it was. Exactly what it was, we can do that. And then what I'll do is I will throw to you guys and we can start discussing, you know, what your worst trades in the history of sports are. So, you ready? The Mookie Betts trade was Mookie Betts, David Price, and Cash, my guess to offset the David Price contract going to the Dodgers, for outfielder Alex Verdugo, who had a decently solid year, Jeter Downs, and Connor Wong. Now Wong is buried somewhere in the minors, batting 240. Jeter Downs is is the prospect, I guess. Um, he's not overly highly regarded. So with all that said, to me, the Mookie Betts trade is the worst trade in sports history that I personally can remember. Connor, what is the worst trade in the history of sports to you? So I can't bring up the Babe Ruth no no Nanette trade. You can bring it up. <coughs> 
It's definitely it the funniest one. I mean, the Falcons trading away Favre and watching him become a superstar is still can't, you know, anyone who's been a Falcons fan for a long time, that still can't feel good, right? So to all three of those Falcons fans that are out there, that's, you know, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but, you know, watching this guy, I mean, you sort of get it because the guy's first career pass was a pick six. He wasn't great his rookie year. They probably just didn't have the right personnel that saw the right thing in the gunslinger to do his thing. Well, he only threw four passes. Like he literally was never in the game. Right. Mistaken. So that's so, the thing. They never they never actually got to see what he what he had. Because I think he was the he had to have been their third string quarterback, if I remember right. But still trading him away and watching him flourish is just that's gotta be bananas to watch. And then you have to watch that guy's entire career. So it's not even like you traded so that's him. A, that's and a Kobe and Dirk type. Yeah, that's trade. I was gonna say that's it's yeah, still and that's fine. That's still terrible. One. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. But still, having to watch that for the entirety of someone's career while you're sitting there thinking, man, that'd be pretty cool to have on my team, is, you know, it, it's not like, the you know, even with Kobe, because it wasn't, it was Kobe and Vladi? Wasn't no, that Kobe, who it was? Kobe for Vladi. Yeah, Kobe for Vladi, because Vladi went to Charlotte. Yep. But yeah, even and Vladi in his own right was a good player. Yeah, but that's the thing. So it's not even like, you know, you know, Vladi still went over there and was like, it was probably towards the tail end of his career, but he was still good when he got sent over. You well, know, and I think the other thing, too, is, Vladi was actually the piece in the deal. Yep. The, the pick that was Kobe Bryant wasn't the piece. It wasn't Correct. like, oh, we want Kobe. We'll yep. give you Vladi. It was yeah, more was so the- like Charlotte being, we kind of want Vladi. So yeah. we'll and that to me, pick. that to me, why a trade That's like differentiates that this. is, yes. is going to be is is part of a different discussion, right? Yeah. Like a like the Kobe trade and the Dirk trade. They're they're very similar. Doesn't mean they're any less bad. They're both terrible. But the Favre one's different. I, I like the Favre one because that is literally Green they Bay going year. and saying, right. going and yep. saying, I want Favre. Right. We'll give you this pick. Yep. Holmes, you got a follow up? Yeah. I mean, I, with football, I mean, there's a couple ones that, that I thought of. I think one right away came to mind with Dicka with the Saints trading for Ricky Williams mm-hmm. and just how yep. it did not work out for anybody in that situation. Right. Um, I know we were briefly talking about um, a couple other ones that commented on, on the post the other day. But for me, I really sat down and looked at some of these and I, I looked at ones where teams grossly overpaid and, and kind of followed trends and, and the spider web to see what it panned out to be. And this one just blew everything out of the water for me. And this is the Eric Lindos trade. Yep. Okay. And I, I promise I will not take a long time to do this. I've made it as short as possible, but you look Give at it the, to key, me. the key pieces first. Okay. First of all, the Rangers had a deal in place with, uh, with Quebec and that, that deal got nixed obviously for what Philly would end up offering. So Philly offers Steve Duchesne who ends up playing there, gets traded, gets flipped for Ron Sutter, gets flipped for another player who ends up getting picked to be Wade Belak. So whatever, let's forget about that part. This okay? trade tree is crazy. It's like, okay, seven, let's forget about that. Yeah. Next pick or next player, Peter Forsberg, future, future Hall of Famer, ends up winning the cup with them in 96 and 2001. And the MVP. And an MVP. Okay. Fantastic. Ron Hextall. Ron would only play one year there, won 29 games for them, but they would then flip him for Adam Deadmarsh who comes in, oh. wins a cup with them in 96, yeah. mm-hmm. who they then flip to L.A. for Rob Blake. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then wins a cup with them in 2001. Okay? Kerry Huffman, irrelevant in this trade. Nothing. Mike Ricci. 
Mike Ricci is part of this deal, wins a cup with them in 96. They then flip him to San Jose for a first-round pick. That first-round pick, Alex Tange, who yeah, began, who wins a cup with them in 2001. Yep. Chris Simon wins a cup with them, eventually flip, forget it. And there was also $15 million and two first-round picks. And I'll stop after the two first-round picks. First-round pick in 93, Justin Tebow, who they flipped for Mike Keane. Who wins a cup in '96 and '01 with them? Oh, they didn't just—they didn't just flip him for Mike Keane, and this is coming. This and is then coming. the infamous, the glorious, the masterful one himself, Patrick Waugh. Yep, that's right. Right, who wins a cup with them in '01? And the last one here was the '94 first-round pick, which they flipped to Toronto. Landon Wilson, throw in whatever. Sylvian Lefebvre, he wins a cup with them, whatever. Wendell Clark. Wendell Clark, who they flip for Lemieux, who they flip for Rolston, who they eventually flip for Ray Bork. This was the one that. Oh my God! So wait, hang on, hang on. Before no, you, you got, go, Ian, you got to watch the Dangle Trade Tree on this. Tangay, it is so, fantastic. So, so, so at the end, at the end Blake, of the day, basically, this is what happens. Colorado ends up. So sorry, Philly ends up with Eric Lindros. Lindros yeah, a 1997 Stanley Cup appearance, and Eric Lindros sitting out in the 2000-2001 season. Mm-hmm. And Eric Lindros also won a Hart Trophy. I think he won, he won one, maybe two. but Might no. have two. He won one for sure. Okay. Colorado, Quebec, Colorado, ends up with two cups, 96 and 01. They end up with Rob Blake. They end up with Chris Dingman, Peter Forsberg, uh, Patrick Waugh, and Alex Tangay. And by extension, Rob Blake. Uh, yeah, Ray, Ray Bork. Ray Bork. Yeah, Pat, that's, yeah, that's right? the tough one because – because there were so many pieces and I looked at this one and I'm going to get to a couple that I have here. It's just, I looked at that one, but it's like, I wanted to take just the trade, right? Peter Forsberg became Peter Forsberg, but at the time was just the fifth overall pick in the same draft as Eric Lindros, right? You know, you mentioned the future considerations was became Chris Simon. Duchesne was fine. Uh, You know, to your point, Hextall, like to me, I I wanted to include that, but it's funny and I'm going to do it really quick. The one that I actually thought was the closest to Mookie was the Wa trade. And that's he's that's one that I have. It's just like you know you have a stud in his prime. He's 30 years old. That's prime for goalies. You have it at, at in in the 90s. You know, now that's that's ancient, right? But Patrick Waugh gets traded for Andre Kovalenko who had a really good rookie season, had 27 goals in his rookie year, stayed with the Canadians for 51 games, and then was gone. So that's gone. They got Martin Ruchinski, who became a very good player, not a star, but a very good player. And he was good in Montreal, played there, I think, seven or eight years, um, averaged around 25 goals a year. Like, he was a good player. The, The key, the prospect in the deal, the Jeter Downs of the deal was Jocelyn Tebow, who was 21-year-old goalie when he came over. He his numbers throughout the season were okay, and he was awful in the awful. playoffs. Awful in the playoffs, like shell four and a half goals against average in the playoffs, and he ended up moving on. His career kept going, but again, it, it didn't turn out to much. And what do you get out of Patrick Waugh? You know, you get your cups in in Colorado. He never won the Vesna after after that. He had three beforehand, and. I don't think he won the Vesna, but Ian and I did an all-time draft for NHL players, and now it's eluding me. So apologies to, to Patrick Waugh if he won one after the fact, but I'm almost positive he did not. But he was still one of the best goalies in the league. It was him, it was Broder, and, and, and Belfort, right? With a little bit of Cujo sprinkled in there. Like, those were the best. And he was the bell cow 
for that Colorado Avalanche team that allowed them to have so much success along with the Joe Sackicks of the world and the Peter Forsbergs and all the guys that you mentioned. So that's the one that really jumped out to me as like a no doubter and you did not get enough. Like we're not talking an Anthony Davis package where it's like you get Martin Ruchinski, you get Andre Kovalenko, you get uh, Jocelyn Tebow, and you got three first-round picks. It's like, no, this is what you get. So that one, to me, I felt was the biggest, um, was the closest comparison to Mookie. My second one, and I'll be quick, back to football, was John Elway. And this goes into the first bucket of, do you know what John Elway is going to be? No. But we're talking like, Everyone and their mother knew. To be John fair, at number one, they had a pretty damn good. No, answer. everyone. This is like right. Peyton Manning, right? Andrew. Right, right. This isn't like the thirteen. Yeah, this is like the thirteenth pick. No, and it's not like number one pick in this year's NBA draft, where it could be any number of like right. five people, like or this, Kawhi at fifteen. This no, this is like the number one overall pick who is a stud mm-hmm. out of Stanford. No, no doubter, and. He, he says, I'm not playing in Baltimore. There's rumors that his dad hated the coach that they brought in there. The coach used to be an NCAA coach and he used to run practice like an absolute drill sergeant and everyone hated him. I, I don't, I don't, there was no real concrete answer to it, but you get in the deal that goes to Denver. Now he threatens that if you don't trade me, I'm going to go play for the Yankees, the freaking Yankees. This guy hit like 318 in college. He gets traded for Mark Herman, who, to put it lightly, is basically is worse than Geno Smith. Like, never won games, was terrible, and he wasn't even good before they got him. It's not like, oh, he was good and then he, and then he sucked. And a first-round pick. One first-round pick. One. That's it. Like, I know it doesn't fit the Mookie bucket, but it, it had to be mentioned. And I'll throw some honorable mentions at the end, Ian, but why don't you jump in here with, with yours? To me... To me, I'm I want to focus my efforts on trades that made you sick to your stomach as it happened. I want to a bad trade is bad when you know when you know it's bad as it's happening. Like you see the notification comes through on your phone from Woj or Jeff Passan or Schefter or Bob McKenzie. You read it and you immediately feel sick because you know in the moment that that trade is devastating. And you know, you can make arguments, you know, there's obvious trades like, you know, the Kobe trade or the Kawhi trade, um, you know, ones that, you know, I'm sure if there was Twitter was rampant when the Kobe trade happened, that people would be like, okay, well, Vladdy's a good player, right? And they can live with that. We don't know I'm Kobe. Sure, yeah. You don't know. You don't know. So I'm focusing on the ones that as it happened, I'm sure made you sick to your stomach. I'm sure, I'm sure Wayne Gretzky was like that. You know, I wasn't, I was, you know, I don't know if I even I was alive, but my birthday, that is actual birthday. That is one that made you sick to your stomach as you looked at it. The other one that I found that would have made you sick to your stomach was Pedro Martinez, who honestly may be the best pitcher ever. Oh yeah. Okay. To the Expos for someone named Delino DeShields. And and, and to give you an idea, to give you an idea. Uh, Pedro had eight all-star appearances, three Cy Youngs, and won the World Series with the Red Sox. You know Delino DeShields. Congratulations. Texas Rangers. He was in the uh, – he played so, the playoffs against the, the Jays. He's, he's dog shit. Okay. So <laughs> that, that is why, to me, the Mookie trade is above them all. Because this is where we are with Mookie. The Red Sox pull a stupid amount of revenue every single year. 
They are printing money. And I bet you, I bet you right now, they are still, they are still doing okay, even amid a pandemic with no fans. They are one of the, they are one of the examples of that do so much in merch, so much in everything else that they can survive. So the Red Sox trading Mookie Betts to get off David Price to save money is is so unbelievably egregious. It it is it is it is honestly sports malpractice. John Henry should have the team like revoked. He should not be an owner anymore. That's how disgusting of a trade that is. And I'm sorry, being financial to get rid of a generational player, maybe the Red Sox greatest position player ever for financial for financial reasons is simply not good enough. You cannot give up the best player in the world to get off of David Price. And there are other examples that came to mind, Kareem to the Lakers, Oscar Robertson getting traded, but I'm sorry. This, you know, Kareem got traded because he was done in Milwaukee. Mookie, now maybe there are reports out there whether he wanted to be there or not. I'm sure if that extension is put in front of his face, he's signing it. The fact remains they lowballed him, got worried about his contract, and traded him for pennies. This is the worst trade in the history of sports. And how many of these trades that we're talking about of an MVP in his prime that could lead in the first year directly to a title? Because the only trade that we're talking about is potentially Kawhi, the Lindros trade a couple years later. But we're talking in the first year is Kawhi. But that one is eliminated because they didn't know what Kawhi they were getting. Is he going to show up? Yeah. Nine games the year before. This trade is in its own category. And it could lead to directly to a title in year one. Unprecedented. Well, to, to clarify, I'm shocked you guys didn't call me out. The trade that happened with Pedro Martinez was like 20 years ago. It was actually Delino DeShield's dad. <laughs> Delino DeShield Jr.'s dad who was in the trade. Not the guy playing. You're an eternal being. 2016 against, was, against the Jays. It was uh, senior. Full, full transparency. Yeah, it doesn't even, doesn't even rock the senior tag. Um, the only, so the only thing I could think of that even came close, and it's such a completely it, – it's almost got to be in its own thing because of the way that stuff works in European soccer was Cristiano Ronaldo getting transferred to Real Madrid. Yes. And he, yep. that's the only thing I could even think of where you've got a guy who I don't even know that he'd fully hit his prime yet getting no, transferred he, for no, probably haven't. less than he should have been. And you've got a team that's bringing him in that pretty much made up his transfer fee and shirt sales in the first week. Right. Yes. It's not like Manchester United isn't okay financially. Yeah. Soccer exactly. tough. It's yeah, it's, but that's the thing. It's tough, right? So it's, it's not an out-and-out out trade. It's a completely different beast. It's a free it's market. There's no luxury tax. It's no, but sometimes sometimes there is. Is Again, it's Manchester United agreeing to sell Cristiano Ronaldo for X amount of money. They don't have to sell it. They, no, they didn't. Now, there is a lot of instances where they, there are outright free agents who can sign wherever they want for whatever pay that they want. <clears throat> but there was a transfer fee associated with Cristiano, and they accepted it. So yep, sure did. And he didn't even necessarily want to leave. Yeah, Real good. Madrid's just like the biggest club in the world. So he wasn't going to be like, oh, this stinks. Right. And 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 the thing is, too, is that you got to look to where the organization has been to since then. And after, obviously, after Ferguson, it hasn't gone great. But you could argue that the decline started there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they won the title, Fergie left, and then 
they haven't been bad, right? Like I feel bad saying they've been bad because they've won a few, they, you know, they've won some tournaments, right? So like any Tottenham fan that heard me complain about that would scream at me, but. Fair. Well, they made it back to the Champions League after he left. They, they made it to, uh, didn't they, they were played Barcelona. I was living in Peru at the time. I'm, uh, was Cristiano still on that team that they lost 3-1 to Barcelona? No. I, he, so they, they made it back, but no, but that, that, that's a good one. Um, Tom's, you got, you got anything else you want to add in here before we, uh, before we pivot? I was just trying to think uh, when you guys were saying just players, you know, who are in their prime, putting up MVP-like seasons. This may not necessarily pertain to this trade or this player, but just he, he potentially was the MVP. He's the heart and soul of this team. And just thinking in recent memory of players, it got me thinking of, of Joe Tho when he was traded from Boston. Wow. We literally just wrote that to each other yeah, on yeah. here. Yeah. It, he was, he was, that is the, to me, that's the only one. Yeah. That's the only one I can think of in hockey. That is an MVP traded at his peak. Yeah. Now, obviously didn't lead. It didn't have the didn't final parts. No, 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 directly no. To a title, but it was equal. Now Joe was traded because of playoff performance. Whatever yes. Bullshit. Yeah. Whatever Boston they wanted to label him. Yeah. Right. Whatever they labeled him. Yes. Yes. But this is an MVP traded in directly in his prime. Yeah. Cause what? Two nothing. seasons later, he wins an Art Ross and Hart trophy. Yep. In the same yep. year. Absurd. Yeah. I think Wah still fits that bill. Yeah. But, but again, a uh, couple of honorable mentions um, that are more personal to me. Rask for Raycroft. But again, that's a prospect mm-hmm. for who was the rookie of the year. Um, Billups for Iverson turned out not so well. That yes. was one that hurt. And I was dead wrong on. I, I was on the record when that trade happened. And Chauncey was my favorite player of all time that – it was more so Iverson's not going to stay. It opens up the cap space for us to go into the offseason and do something. They got Charlie Villanueva and Ben Gordon, which turned out historically awful. And the Sagan trade. You Before, know, the, the, hold on. Before you move off of Billups, the reason why the Billups trade is, is absolutely valid here is because what happened to the trajectory of the franchise when that trade went through? Absolutely when that, done. When, done. When that trade went through, they have not recovered. It was like 11 years ago. They yep. still, even more than that, they still haven't recovered. So to me, that's why that trade absolutely belongs in here. And, I, and I'm going to put the Kessel trade in here because I know a lot of people will want that to be mentioned. I, I think that's unfair. Yes, you could have had Tyler Sagan. Yes, you could have had Dougie Hamilton. But this is the far end of the of the spectrum of the, of the first category yes. that you talked about, Ian. And it's not like Kessel was terrible. The f- team was terrible around him. Like, he led Correct. the team in scoring every single year. He was miscast. He arrived. And yeah, okay. Like, you want this guy who doesn't want to talk to the media to be in the Toronto? Like, I, I have no ill will against uh, against Phil Kessel. Is it historically bad? Yes, but it's not as bad as everyone makes it out to be. So, um, so let's let's get to what we're here for. Let's get to some good old fashioned pigskin. We we have a quick. This is a quick one. And and Connor, I want to throw to you first. The, the only news you know, to speak of this week in the NFL outside of your, you know, your, your regular day to day and Antonio Brown and Des Bryant returning to the NFL was the Tua for Fitzmagic. And it seemed odd. The timing seemed weird. Did it seem weird to you or, or what, did, what was your thoughts on the whole thing? It almost felt scripted, right? Cause it's their bye week So it almost seems like in what would have been their regular training camp, they were like, okay, we're going to circle this on the calendar. And this is where we're going to give him two weeks to prep for his first start. And of course, I mean, I'm saying this, I don't think they've had any games messed up because of COVID, right? They played the regular schedule. They haven't had anything moved around. Yep. They're three and three. If I'm not mistaken. 
So this seems like something that they probably circled back in early August and they said this is probably going to be this kid's first start barring any sort of lingering medical things or anything that could happen to him in practice. Um, I mean, I don't hate it. I more just feel bad for Fitz. Like he was playing awesome. Like he sounded down when he was talking about it. Like it just it kind of bummed me out because I want to I want to see him start again. Like I don't want him just just like come in like Alex Smith did two weeks ago and throw a couple of passes and have it be kind of a cool headline like I want to see this guy start at least one more game. Well, it, it, it seemed it Fitz seemed taken aback. He seemed to not be in <laughs> he if this was planned, he wasn't in the loop. Did that come across to you too, Tom's? Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, I, I read the quote that came up first. I think I saw it on Twitter or Instagram somewhere. And and I didn't really know how to interpret it because you don't know if that was Fitz Magic talking and being kind of funny and quirky like he is. And then you go and watch the clip of his Zoom interview, and you want to start like I I honestly want to start crying. Yeah, I was a bit how it much was, it was like a bit heavy. He, in the eyes, you yeah. can you can tell like he was not he was not scripted. That was coming from the heart. It was the truly honest way of how we felt. He was being raw. He was being emotional. I don't think he was looking for any sympathy from anyone. He was just being plain and honest with, with how we felt. It really hurt him. I mean, and you could tell him, like, I got a lot of buddies who are, who are Dolphins fans. Right. And they absolutely love to, and they're excited for Tua. And, you know, they, they were also cognizant of the fact of what Fitz has been doing every time the offense is off, off the field. If you watch a Dolphins game, the camera goes straight to the sideline and pans to them. And you see Fitz and Tua sitting side by side with the surface pro going over plays. They're always beside each other. He's the first guy to congratulate him coming off the field. They, they obviously were building some sort of relationship or rapport with each other. And I, I think, I think we all knew and even Fitz knew that this eventually was coming. I just honestly don't think he thought it was going to be now or at this early in the season. And here's where I am with it. I think you're absolutely a thousand percent right. I think if Tua is going to learn from anyone and to be, you know, to be, to be groomed and, and, and brought along with anyone, you got to be talking about Fitzpatrick, Josh McCown, those types. But the difference between someone like Fitz is that he was actually balling. And that to me is, is part of the problem. Now, do I respect the hell out of the dolphins for sticking with their plan? Absolutely. Absolutely. I do. But I, I think right now is a, that division is wide open. Right now, does Fitz give you a better chance to win? I Look, I'm we'll not see. in that coach's room. I don't yeah, we'll know. See. I don't know. I do also think with, with, Tua's, with Tua's injury, I think there was significant value, particularly in, with someone who was someone who isn't the biggest man. I think there was significant value in allowing him to come along slowly. I think you were in such you're in such an amazing position because your starter is balling. So you don't have to rush to get to the rookie. This is not a scenario like it was with Daniel Jones when Eli stunk, so they had no choice. This isn't a situation like you see with other quarterbacks where the the incumbent guy is so awful that they just decide to go to the rookie and they say, here, go into the fire. And that to me is the troubling part is that if, if this was all part of the plan, then, then why have Fitz break his back to, to, to carry this team along? I mean, he's been fantastic now, fantastic for his standards. It's not going to make the pro bowl, but 
They're three and three, and they are. It seems like they're in every game. And I and I do think when it comes to to the Tua thing, you know, and 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 Tom's brought up a really good point about Fitz's response and how it was honest. And and I bet you there were some people that were like, well, you know, Fitz needs to understand, you know, the first round pick, and you know, he can't be upset about that, or you can't say that to the media. We're always getting on these guys for not being honest. And this guy just poured his heart out to you, was as honest as he possibly could have been, and we're gonna we're gonna get on him for it. Nonsense. Yeah, Nonsense. no, I, I, I agree. appreciated that. I agree. And I'm gonna pull a couple pieces out of what all of you guys said because I didn't think of the bye week angle. Uh, I think that's that's a really good point, is that they probably did have this circle because as an outside as an outside looking in. You know, as a regular guy just watching football on his couch on Sunday, I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, so this guy threw one sidearm left-handed throw in with a minute left in the game, and it's like, oh, he's the savior. Give him the keys now. I, it's just, I didn't I didn't get it. Um, to your point, the, the division's wide open. Someone did not, cl- clearly did not clue Fitzmagic in on the overall, uh, the overall plan of giving the keys to Tua in week seven or now week eight after the bye, but like my upset scale is probably at like a four out of 10. Like I'm not pulling a whole hear me out, you know, moment on this because it's Fitzpatrick. Like I think he's good. I think he's fine. And I think he would, I think he would win the the division in the NFC East, but am I like, it is what it is, but in Ian, you mentioned, let him kind of simmer and and grow as, as a person. You could have had this year. You could have let him simmer this year and, and gone and try and done some stuff. And it just didn't fit the mold of what I thought this coaching staff's mentality was, which was win or attempt to win at all costs. I could be proven wrong, but that's what I felt. We just see this far too frequently. And we're already seeing Washington with Haskins, where he gets thrown in because the QB situation last year is a complete shit show. And he's already demoted and inactive on game days. He's a third stringer. And he was drafted, what, two years ago as a first rounder? And I'm sorry, that's just no way to handle your prospect. You know, you saw it with, you know, a little bit with guys like Josh Rosen. I mean, there are guys that don't work out every year because they are thrust into a role that they're simply not ready for. College isn't that long. Now, Tua may be more NFL ready than, you know, maybe even a guy like Herbert. But time isn't going to hurt them. Unless the unless the the starter is so bad, is so bad that it makes your team unwatchable, and it's clear that they need to go to the rookie. Fitz was playing well. Take the time. You might as well. We saw we saw that in Kansas City. Remember with with yes, Mahomes, absolutely come in and Great play right away. And but that's I think that's more so Andy Reid. Andy Reed, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Same thing. Yeah. And listen, you guys want to chirp all you can, but Carson Wentz didn't come in and play right away either. Right. Exactly. I don't think Jared Goff did either. That didn't work out for either of those guys. <laughs> the jury's not. Hey, look, I love ragging on Wentz as much as the next guy. His this chapter may be closed in terms of what his future is with the Eagles and how Eagles fans perceive him. I don't think the Eagles are going to move on. His story isn't finished yet. No, I don't believe this is how it ends. But and for it, it, Tua, you know, right? Like this is probably the healthiest he's been in three years, but I fair. still would almost like yeah. to see him continue to work out with NFL guys and build up that strength and build up those reps before. Maybe a preseason. Yeah. And normally. Yeah, you have a re- yeah, that's what a preseason supposed normally to be for. Right. Yeah. 
And normally you have a reason to go to your, like normally the fans are clamoring saying, get me my rookie quarterback. You're three and three. You just pulled Fitzpatrick yep, after they blew out a team last did, week. Like, did, you, did you hear the chants though when he this went This isn't in? Tebow. They were, like, chant, they were chanting MVP when he went in. Oh, the, the Miami fans <laughs> are, are crazy. But, you know, in the mold of Tua, we had a question that we prompted to everyone this week. Ian, why don't you, why don't you lay that question out to everyone? So with the, So this week, we were really batting around the idea of, you know, Tua and what's his viability as a franchise guy and where would he rank? So Sean and I talked to a couple of their friends of ours and said, okay, if we're talking about guys that we're starting a franchise with, what sort of class would Tua be in? And to me, someone like Burrow, someone like Kyler, those guys are just, I'm sorry, they're too advanced in their careers already. Like Burrow, he's a no doubter. Okay. And Kyler's already showing some of that it factor that it just takes him out of this conversation. We're we're largely dealing with unknowns here. So we came up with, and we picked five guys and these were not chosen at random. We went through every quarterback in the league and saw who would fit and who didn't. So the question was of these five quarterbacks, who would you take to hand the keys over to your franchise? And in that rank them one to five. And the quarterbacks were Tua with Miami. Herbert with the Chargers, Daniel Jones with the Giants, Gardner Minshew with the Jags, and Drew Locke with the Broncos. Now, obviously, Tua is difficult because you're basing it solely on one pass. What? Well, yeah, and what his (laughs) tape was at Alabama. So you're basing it on your feelings were pre-draft. And then Herbert, you have a whole lot more to work with, and as you do with the other three. So with that said, Connor, I'm going to throw to you first. Of those five... Who are you taking to run your franchise? Right now, it's Herbert, man. I mean, even uh, it's a combination of things, right? He's come in and blown away my expectations of what he was going to do. You know, I've I've loved watching the kids so far this season. He's got the size, he has the arm, he can make the throws. He can make the throws without giving up that deep ball either. I think we we see a lot of guys that can throw those you know short to medium passes really well, but then lack a little bit going downfield. He hasn't. You know, he hasn't given that up in anything that he's done. You know, for me right now, it's Herbert. Um, are, are we going through and yeah, take it, take guys? us through, okay. take us through your rankings and why? Okay, so right now it's Herbert for me. Um, I've it's, the guy's just blown me away. To be totally honest, it's something we've talked about. I don't want to take up too much time talking about how awesome he is because we've already done that a couple times now. But the guy's been phenomenal, and, and I'm sure other him. people on here are going to have him very high. Yep, exactly. I've got two at number two. But I'm still, like you said, right, his sample size is almost solely what he did at Alabama. People like to ignore that he was, at best, slightly above average against good teams. He either played average to below average or he'd be playing okay and then get hurt. He doesn't have eyes in the back of his head like he does Wilson. You know, he, he had he's had trouble reading that side of the line for whatever reason. He has not been able to see the pressure or feel the pressure coming in on him. I get a little bit good in that national title game. Yeah. Three years ago. Three years ago. Yeah. When he played half the game. Yeah. Yeah. When he was a child. Yes. I just, it, that scares me a little. And that's more just me. I've said for years and Ian can attest to this. I'm going to be the last guy on the Tua train because it scares the hell out of me when you see guys light it up against really, really, really bad teams and then go out and play a team like 
I mean, when they played Clemson in the national title game two years ago, his first drive, he threw a pick. You know, stuff like that's just always going to kind of sit in the back of my head until I see him do it consistently at the next level. Yeah, and I think um, with really – sorry, to, to keep no, going on good. that, I think, I think with really good teams too, I mean, we saw what happened when, you know, when, when really good teams, like they're in that national title game and they just – they made him look bad. Clemson made yep. him look bad. Mm-hmm. And now, now they that Clemson team was basically an NFL defense, but he's playing against NFL defenses now. So who's your number three? Number three is Minshew, and I legit, I would love it. I would love to see this guy play on a team that's not actively tanking. They're taking, they're taking Leonard Fournette rushed for a thousand yards the last two years. They took away his safety net and that. I think the only guy that he's got right now is Chark, right? Like the only legit weapon he's really got is Chark, and that's awesome that he still has someone to throw to. But I'd love to see this guy play on a team that put some respect on Keelan Cole. My bad. Sorry, Keelan. I know you're a fan of the show. That's on me. (laughs) Um, But like, I would love to watch this. I didn't, I don't, I always kind of cringe when people throw out the word moxie just because I think it gets overused by guys like Skip Bayless, right? Like they, they see a guy, they see him walk into the locker room with a certain swagger and they think he has this moxie. I, he might be one of like a couple guys in the league that might not have the out and out, like, size arm talent like all the stuff that checks all the boxes for scouts but for whatever reason he gets in that huddle and he just looks calm cool collected he's gonna miss some throws because he's not you know he's not one of these guys that's been groomed probably since he was like three years old like we're seeing some of these other dudes right but I just wish we could see him on a team that wasn't tanking I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the next two and don't (laughs) but tell me but tell me but tell me before I've got Drew Locke it hurts my brain. That O-line sucks, but he also has, like, a ton of toys, right? That fourth quarter last week was terrible, but he also had some guys drop some passes. He did. That Very fourth true. quarter was really bad. Like, I'm watching that game, and I'm like, man, this stat line's not going to look good for him. I'm going to feel bad for him. And then he goes out in that atrocious fourth quarter, throws a pick into triple coverage. And I'm just like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what? You can clearly see there's a guy on top of the dude that's already on the on your target. Like, you can see the safety stayed up there and was watching you the whole time and came in and picked you off like it was nothing. Like, it was actually terrible. And then you got Jones last. Yeah, and then Jones – well, Jones's tape is the same as Haskins. Like, we, we've got a larger sample size where their stats aren't that different. Like, the, I think it's ridiculous that Haskins got sat and is now a third-string quarterback. But I also think it's ridiculous that Jones hasn't had that leash either. So I'm going to jump in because mine is quick because it basically is identical to what you had, Connor. So I also have Herbert first. I hated him at Oregon. I thought he was going to be one of those put up stats and not win type of guys. And he has come out and been both. He's winning games against or at least playing quality opposition, extremely difficult and looks like he's in control of the huddle. I, I like it. Um, Tua, I had second. Again, it's tough to have him in this conversation because we haven't really seen him. He was like one of the most accurate passers in NCAA history, but and he's a fifth overall pick. We'll see. I agree with you. I, I don't love his his durability. Um, I also had Minshew third, and I don't love it, but I love him. It's just, I feel like if you put him, this was what I was thinking. Could he be Matt Ryan if he played in Atlanta? If the Cowboys make the playoffs if he was on the Cowboys right now? Oh, I I think that's uh, – well, mm, no, because they were still losing with Dak and their defense is terrible. But I think that he can be that type of player, is that he is 
he can get the ball to where it needs to go. He's not going to do anything spectacular. He's just going to look spectacular while doing it. Um, I had four and five as a tie. And the reason why I wanted to jump in was for this reason. I recently signed up for Pro Football Focus because we are in a dynasty pool. Definitely worth it. And I wanted to know overall grades because we have to have defensive players on our team. And to be fair, I haven't watched a lot of defensive players. I've normally just watched units as a whole with my life in fantasy. So I signed up. And I might be unsubscribing because they have Daniel Jones ranked as the 14th best quarterback in the NFL with a grade of 73. I might have to, like, PFF, you owe me my money back. Like, that is, that cannot be the case. I'm sorry, it just cannot be true. With the, I'm, I'm not saying that he is, he has, like, Dallas Cowboys weapons. But he's also not going out there with the Washington football team's weapons. So, it's, to me, this, this, it blew my mind that he was 14th. They had Herbert 20th. 20th. And I know Daniel Jones had had a pretty good year last year, right? You know, he was what? Three and nine over 3000 yards, 12, 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 6.6 yards per attempt. He's been awful this year, but 14th, I'm sorry, PFF, like you owe me a refund. Um, The final one, Drew Locke, he was, he was good last year, four and one. I think he's going to be fine. I, I just haven't seen enough. I have him and and Daniel Jones kind of at the bottom. I think they both can turn it around, but that's kind of where I'm at. Tomes, why don't you kind of rip through yours before? Yeah, I can go. I can go through these pretty quick. I had some some funny little one liners about all of them. Uh, I think we're all the same here. I I have Herbert at number one. Uh, And again, Sean, I always allude to this because because you know when I did my mock draft back in April. I was the biggest Herbert fan in college because I love Oregon. I'm a big fan of what they do there. It's fun. It's exciting. But I always state you have a spread quarterback or a quarterback playing a spread offense in the shotgun the entire time. They usually have trouble when they come to the NFL and he's completely proven all of us wrong so far. He's proven me wrong. So I, 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 and again, these are ranked based on confidence right now, right? How much confidence do these guys have? So that's why he's, he's cleared number one for me. You guys are going to flip, but I have lock at number two and I'll tell you why. It may have been sloppy and it may not have looked nice, but the guy comes back from sitting out from a little bit of an injury there on the sideline, comes back, wins the game. Okay. Now you start to see a little bit of a personality from oh, him I'm this sorry. week. Was Locke kicking the field goals? You, he's, not, listen, he's not wrong, Tom. No, he's not wrong. Down. He's not wrong. But what I'm trying to oh, say okay. is you're seeing a personality out of him this week, talking no, about embracing this Darth Vader role now, right? And, and, you know, playing mind games with these Jedis and whatnot. Listen, this may be the craziest stat I've ever found. <laughs> and I've thrown up some wild ones. But he could potentially be the first quarterback since Big Ben to win back-to-back games against teams coached by Bill Belichick and then Andy Reid. And no one's done it since Big Ben did it. Hey, he's not going to, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. So anyway, Drew Locke is number two for me. I like what he's bringing. Listen, he's got, I, I think there's opportunity there. And again, two or three for me, just because I don't have much to see other than what he's done in college. But I do like the fact that he's going to have two weeks to prepare for the Rams coming to Miami. Right. So absolutely I, I, fair. Right. And then for me, four and five, I mean, Minshew, I have Minshew at five. You know, the fact that Doug Marone, and again, this all has to go back to confidence. The fact that Doug Marone has not ruled out the fact of benching him. Well, you know, we'll, we'll see what's going on. 
right? I, 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 I could maybe could have put him at, at three, but I wasn't comfortable putting two at four. And then for me, Daniel Jones is at five. It's hard enough to play at the Meadowlands. It's hard enough to play when you're one and five. It's hard enough when you got the New York media ripping you constantly and everyone else rips you and, and, and you're not playing with Sakon and you have no, no help. But I just think his, his confidence right what now. What did you call Saquon? Saquon. <laughs> okay. I like that. It's his cool. confidence must be, must be at an all-time low right now, honestly. So that's why I have him at five. Ian, finish us off here. Tell us why we're wrong. So I'm the type of guy who likes to eat my veggies first. So I'm going to start at the bottom. And I'm going to start at fifth. And Wait, wait, wait. You eat your french fries before your burger? That's fucking weird, dude. <laughs> no, eat my veggies first. got to get your starches. Oh, out. you're healthy. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. Yeah, eat my Sorry. veggies first. So... Let's start with number five. And number five to me is Drew Locke. And I think, you know, we can make an argument that Locke has been the worst quarterback in football so far this season. Now, do I think that's going to hold? No. I thought he showed a little bit of promise last week, although his stat line didn't didn't reflect that. I think he's had moments. Um, But that's a serious shot. Like, he plays – he does, in fact – I did check this before. He does play in the same league as Sam Darnold, Kyle Allen, Nick Foles. I checked. He does. Locke is a big play quarterback who is lacking his biggest play threat. That's fair. Sutton's out. So he's a TBD for me. I am not ruling him out. But I would love to see what happens next season when the team is fully healthy, gets one more draft on that O-line – and they finally get themselves back. So I'm not out on lock, but for now, I'm trusting him the least. Number four to me is Minshew. I'm very concerned. Um, initially, I had Minshew above my number three. I actually had Minshew at the bottom initially. Um, but you're right. You know, he's got a little bit of it about him that that sort of gives him above lock right now. Um, the deep dive is discouraging for Minshew mania. He does have a strong yeah, arm. It's tough. It's bad. He does not have a strong arm. So it means he needs to be absolutely perfect with the football. We just have not seen that yet. And, you know, Chark has him in playing. He gets a little bit of a benefit off that. But, you know, and he's been peppering Keelan Cole. But here's my biggest problem. Marone came out and said, we are not ruling out a quarterback change if we need to. The backup is Mike Glennon. If you are in danger of getting replaced (laughs) by Mike Glennon, I'm sorry you cannot come above fourth on this list. And not even for Daniel Jones. I'm sorry, not happening. Number three for me. And Hold that's on, that's Doug Marone saying that though. Hey, just you know, this isn't you know Vince Lombardi stepping out there and well, saying that he's look, trusting this. Is Marone a good NC State fans in the comments about that Glennon comment? Well, <laughs> is Marone a is Marone a good coach head coach? No, but it's still not good that he is at practice looks at Mike Lennon and is like, you're terrible, but you may be better than what we have. Not really tall. So number three to me is Jones. So I'm not out on Jones, um, but I think there have been encouraging signs. Um, I think the biggest thing with him is that his weapons have all been hurt one way or the other Um, between Engram, Barkley, Golden Tate is a walking carcass at the moment. And I, they, to me, scream like a team that could use a big play guy. You know, he, they, he does not have the weapons of the other quarterbacks we're talking about. He doesn't have anyone on the level of Keenan Allen, Devontae Parker, Chark, or Judy. So Jones, right now, no, I'm, saying, I'm saying as it stands. Remember, this offense- Yes, Slayton, Shepard, Engram. That, even all Tate. That, 
they were all hurt last year and they're hurt again. I'm just I want to think the overrating Jag, the look, Jaguars look, look, look. weapons I, here. It would DJ Chark be the best receiver on the Giants right now? Yes, yes or no? Yes. Objectively, without mm-hmm. question. And he just hasn't had the full complement of weapons. So I'm in wait and see, but he would be third. Not by much, but he would be third. Let's get to number two. Number two to me is Herbert. And what we're seeing from Herbert is so encouraging because it, this is just not the same player we saw at Oregon. And I talked to Connor about this. I'm not sure if that's a shot at Oregon or not. Were they misusing him? Was, you know, was that, was that school putting him in some weird box? But all of a sudden, like this guy loves big time throws and I'm sorry, he just did not at Oregon. That is just objectively true. Go back and look. And between Keenan Allen, Mike Williams and Hunter Henry, they help him, but he is making big freaking throws. Herbert is number two only because of the scarring I've seen from watching him at Oregon. He was, he was, he left so much to be desired at Oregon, particularly playing in the Pac-12. So he is, he is number two. The biggest thing with Herbert, I just want to see, keep being consistent. Keep being aggressive without being careless. Trust Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is the Chargers version of Stephon Diggs, which is a beast wide receiver who can help the young quarterback. Keep slinging that thing. And to me, number one's Tua only from the standpoint of I had him higher at the draft. I, I don't want to change that yet. Let's see what happens. Well, Ian, we're all going to disagree on that. Uh, three of us agree. We have the same type of rankings, but we have to get to the reason why we're here. And we are here for our week seven picks. We got six on schedule this week, as we always do. Ian, bit of a tale of two tapes from last week. I went two and four, although my luck of the week won. You went four and two, leaving us at, I'm at 18 and 16. You are at 20 and 14 for the year. So still up. Connor, it's okay. You went one and five. But spicy. let's get to this week's pick. The first game. Connor Murphy is the Panthers of Carolina visiting the Saints of New Orleans. The Saints are giving seven and a half points. The over-under is 51. Connor, where are you going with your first pick of the week? That magic seven and a half number. Yeah, they throw that half point in there for you. It kills me. It kills me every time I see it. Like I, I, I look at this and I think, oh man, this is so much deeper of a spread than six and a half would be. And it, I mean, it, it just does. It never looks right when I'm looking at it. I, I'm taking the Saints, but it still worries me, right? Like your star receiver punching a teammate's never necessarily a good sign of anything that's going on in the locker room. And they I would largely, say that that is fair. Yeah, they've they've largely outside of Week One, kind of underwhelmed, right? Everyone kind of questioning, do you know Drew Brees? It probably isn't ideal again for that locker room or just in general, but. I'm going to take the Saints, and I'm going to take the under. Wow. Tomes, jump in. I don't want to be anticlimactic, but I, I just I took the Saints in the under just to be get that all real quick there. <laughs> <laughs> I hate I hate when I have to follow up and someone has the same picks as me, but I'll tell you one thing, Murph. I like where your head's at. It's spooky. I think, I think we're seeing a team – what, Saints are coming off a bye, if I'm not mistaken. Last game they played before that was against the Chargers in that, in that comeback win. You know, that is the 
the Drew Brees we know and we love, but the new Drew Brees, what we've seen now is someone who can't hit anybody farther than a 10 yard out or like a seven yard slant. And uh, I mean, I mean, Kamara has benefited great from it. Yep. Right. Um, yeah. You nailed it on the head with Mike Thomas. It, it's, he can't be punching teammates in the face. Um, but well, you can, but you it's, can. Not it's, just sure, but it's not encouraged. Right. <laughs> But then, like, still with with these injuries, I mean, he left practice today or yesterday early as well, too. So, what is he not hundred percent? He was limited yesterday. Just to give you the idea, he was limited yesterday and did not practice today, and it's hamstring related, not the previous so issue. Now, not not the high ankle sprain from before. Mm-hmm. So, is it something else now? Right? I know one thing I saw that which was interesting was uh, Mike Davis was practicing in a non contact jersey the other day, and again, I think that might be just workload maintenance yep. right most likely but uh for me this 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 matchup for me is is Saints D versus the Panthers offense and I I don't really know if, if Teddy Two Gloves is going to be able to, to march down that field and and really get get his team up there so I, I have the Saints in the under I'm going to jump in quick I can't believe you guys have gone the under every single trend between these two teams is the over They've gone over the last like seven times that they've played each other. New Orleans at home is an over machine. Carolina on the road goes over. Like everything screams over. So if you're taking the 2020 approach of I'm going to go under because it says over, that's fine. The over's hitting in this game. Um, on to the actual game itself. We talk about Big Dick Nick and you know Big Dick Teddy Two Gloves is, is a thing. Okay, so let's just put that out there. He has been pretty good. Their passing attack has been top 12 in the league. He's been pretty good. I'm not a big fan of his. Mike Davis has been an absolute suitable replacement for uh, run CMC, which suitable replacement relative to the moment. He's been he's been pretty good. I think that speaks to the the offensive line of Carolina and also to Teddy and 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 the off and basically his his, the offense that he's running. But it's going to come down to you. I'm the opposite of you, Tom's. I think it's coming down to Carolina's defense versus New Orleans offense, and specifically against the run. Carolina's defense is 26th against the run. 26th going up against Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. I love this as a teaser, honestly, at the 7.5 number. I I love it as a teaser. I will be teasing this game. I am going to take the Saints. The the Saints at home, like the Steelers, are a different animal. We're going to get to Steelers a little bit later. So I have the Saints and the over. Why exactly are the Saints seven and a half point favorites here? Carolina has never lost by more than seven points this year, and the Saints don't have a victory over seven. So with Mike Thomas possibly ailing, I don't see either of those things changing. Why is it seven and a half? Yes, Carolina is allowing 120 yard, 21 rush yards a game. That's 18th worst. They are 4.9 yards per carry. That's 27th worst. And nine rushing touchdowns is 29th worst. Kamara is going to have a damn day. I think one thing to watch is that Panthers kicker Joey Sly went on the COVID list. And when you do have spreads like this, those three points matter, You know, especially if they're going to have to pick up a kicker off the scrap heap. So that is something to monitor. If Thomas were healthy, I would consider taking the Saints. You know, from that standpoint, Nate, between Kamara on the rushing game and the fact that the Saints are kind of due for a blow blowout win, um, they, well, you know, they just Davenport's back too, right? Did he came back two weeks ago, or is he back just now after the bye? Congratulations. I'm you know, so and good. I well, and to me again, I, I think that the Saints are they would be due. 
if the stadium was full and, you know, that crowd was rocking, I think we're having a different discussion. But I think, you know, with all this stuff, and, and Carolina can score. And I think, you yep. know, we, we need to give Teddy love, but we also need to give Matt Rule some love. I think, you know, he's showing from a from to make the transition from college to NFL is really hard. And he, I think he's doing a really good job so far. So he deserves credit. To me, I have the Panthers here. I think that they have a chance to keep it close. I would not pick them outright. I likely wouldn't gamble on this game to begin with. Uh, but I am going to take the over. We talked about the Saints defense all year and why, you know, well, like yeah, they're, they're okay. They're, they're okay. okay. Yep. But you know, it's not like we're talking about they're playing the bears or they're playing the bucks. I mean, it's the Saints. So I think that we could see a high scoring game. I think Kamar is going to go crazy, but I think the Panthers have a chance to keep it close ish. I have the Panthers. Yeah. And underdogs have been trending in this direction. The first three weeks, three, four weeks of the season, it was very favorites heavy. Vegas has adjusted. Teams have have started to to do a better job of this. Underdogs have been playing much better and have covering been covering more spreads. To get to the next game, a nice tra- little transition here is I don't know if we have an under, an underdog. Two five and zero teams going up against each other: the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans. The Titans are getting a point at home, getting a point at home over under five fifty point five. Tomes. Who do you got in the battle of the undefeated? Yeah, this is uh, this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a fun game to watch. I think um, you know we're gonna have we're gonna have the beast Derrick Henry trying to continuing you know his his rushing ways, and, and the guy just looks absolutely unstoppable, right? Um, with that being said, though, I, I think you're running into the best run or rush D with with Pittsburgh, right? So I think this could be. Uh, a, a time where we finally see maybe Derek Henry. I don't want to say continue, you know, bottled up necessarily, but we're not going to def- we're not going to see what we saw last week uh, out of Derek Henry. I don't think. You know, I know the Steelers are are are, are without uh, without Devin Bush, but I think a bigger loss for for these two teams is is the Titans losing Lewin. Absolutely, right. I think that is that's the that's the key player missing out of, out of this equation here. Uh, I think at the end of the day, though, this Steelers defense is real good. They are not messing around. It, you know, it kills me to say it, but, you know, Big Ben, Chase Claypool, the whole gang going on there. I, I, I like what they're doing. It's 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 interesting. It's fun. It's it's creative. It's different. And for me, I, I had the Steelers in the under, though, in this game. Connor, you want to jump in here? Said it last week. Tomlin was going to make me look like an idiot. I lost money like an idiot. I felt I dumb like idiots. Do. I can't believe you put money on the Browns. Look, man, you you get you get all you get a new haircut. You start feeling good. You start looking at some stuff. You do a deep dive on some stats. You talk yourself into some things. You know, things happen. The past is the past. That being said, it is very tough. I understand they lost the one. That's the easily the biggest loss between either of these teams for this game or just in general. Tannehill is playing really damn good, man. He's playing really good. I mean, is he, he's easily a top three quarterback in the league. Any given week, he might be the best quarterback in the league, at least in that game that he had just played. Like the guy's playing phenomenal and it's tough to bet against it. Tomlin, I know you're listening. I'm very sorry. I'm very, very, very sorry. You have made a habit of this. Every time I go to sell on the Steelers, you make me look like a big old doofus. And that's fine. That's what you do. You're a great coach. You're a phenomenal coach. I love you. 
if I lose, I'm taking the Titans. If I lose this pick, I'm not betting against the Steelers again as long as Tomlin's the head coach. Are you going to go over or under? I'm going under. So I will follow Connor because I really want to take the Titans. And I think, you know, Ryan Tannehill needs to deserve, deserve some love. Because sure does. Uh, this is an MVP candidate. And people can say that, you know, that Henry is, you know, their MVP. And those people would be wrong. Because Henry is so much more effective with Tannehill. Um, they make such a great pairing. But the, the thing that makes Henry go is Tannehill. And we need to start talking about Tannehill as if he's one of the five or seven best quarterbacks in the league. That's what we need to start doing. That needs to be normalized behavior. He has been that epic with the Titans this season. And look, I think, you know, we're seeing Mike Frable grow into this unbelievable coach. I mean, that what he pulled last week with that clock management with oh taking the too God. many, that, too many men on the field penalty. Unbelievable. unbelievable. This is, this is a guy who is playing a different game. So I love Tennessee moving forward. I think, you know, you mentioned it, Tomes. The 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 Luan injury is is could be potentially crippling for them. I think, you know, I know you mentioned Devin Bush, but replacing a linebacker and replacing a left tackle is just two completely different things. I mean, you know, the Pittsburgh could go on the scrap heap and find, you know, someone who can gobble up tackles like a Will in a Will Compton role pretty quickly. I don't see Tennessee replacing Lewin all that fast. You know, I, I think with it, you know the fact that AJ Brown is questionable, it looks like John U. Smith is playing. You know, Derrick Henry obviously is amazing. No, those are good things for the Titans. But AJ Brown being questionable is not good. That's a massive loss. And, you know, obviously with Lewin out, we are talking about TJ Watt on one side and Bud Dupree on the other. That just is not good. That is not good with with your best tackle. I, that is dangerous to me. And add in the fact that Pittsburgh gets David DeCastro back. Uh, he will help deal with absolute beast Jeffrey Simmons on the inside there. So all of this is sort of trending towards Pittsburgh. So I am going to take Pittsburgh here. Um, I hate picking the over-under. I guess I'll take the under. But look, I mean, if, if you're asking me what I'm rooting for, I am rooting for, for Tannehill and the Titans to make me look stupid. Well, you're going to get it because the Titans are going to win this game outright. And I understand with Lewin out, that's a big loss. But Tomes at so sophistically, 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 it's one, it's one of those words. Roll with it, baby. He, he outlined that the rush defense of, of the Pittsburgh Steelers is the number one in football. But, Ian and Connor, what did we talk about last week on the podcast? What does Tennessee do better than anyone, than anything else that they do? It is throw the football. They're the number two throwing offense in the NFL. I'm not going to get into stats here. I'm a couch observer. I'm just a guy. All I know is one of these two teams is going to be slurped to all heavens after this game as an absolute Super Bowl contender. They are going to be the team to beat. It's going to be a team in the AFC that's going to be up against the Kansas City Chiefs and the Baltimore Ravens. They're going to be in that upper echelon category. And I think it's going to be the Titans. I know things have been very quiet on the Steelers' front. We, they're 5-0, and but it's a quiet 5-0. and No one is putting them in, the, in that conversation. The Titans have been underappreciated, yes, and I feel like the noise around the Titans is actually getting a little bit higher. I normally would pick the Steelers in this spot, 
But because I normally would pick the Steelers, I'm taking the Titans and I'm taking the over because unders are for suckers. So we move on to the 49ers at the Belichicks. The Patriots are favored by two points. The over-under is 43 and a half. I, I'm going to jump in first here, boys. Everything screams takes take the 49ers. The gambling trends love the 49ers. They have a better defense. They have a better offense. The Jimmy G revenge game. Brady, sorry. Oh, my God. I just called Cam Newton Tom Brady. <laughs> Belichick and Newton just got embarrassed at home. Bill Belichick doesn't like to be embarrassed at home. Bill Belichick does not like to be embarrassed. Bill Bel- Belichick does not get embarrassed. The 49ers are traveling east. I am taking the Patriots and the two points. Put some water on those 49ers after a big win against the Los Angeles Rams last week. I'm taking the Patriots. Ian, why don't you jump in next? Oh, oh, I'll take the over 43 and a half. By the way, if we ever needed any proof that those Rams that Sean loved to talk about so much last week were fake, that was your proof. No, hungry hungry dog runs faster. I heard that a lot. lot. They look terrible. Yes, you'll see. The team that beats up on the NFC East runs slow then. (laughs) So, Sean, you you took Pats here and the over? I got the over. Do you take the over and everything? No, I don't. So, yeah, I do. As you mentioned, if you did, <laughs> Jimmy G does make his long awaited return to Foxborough. Um, as I mentioned, you know the 49ers did beat the fake Rams last week. Um, they are still ravaged by injury, though, as Mostert is out. He went to IR this week, and they're still without Tevin Coleman. So it's the Jarek McKinnon show again this week against a defense that just gave up 101 yards to Philip Lindsay. So. I think you're going to see a lot of 49ers deploying their wide receivers on jet sweeps between Debo, Ayuk. Um, I think they're going to start to unleash that, continue to unleash that. And Trent Williams did practice today. So things are getting a little better. With that said, are we going to bet against Belichick after he was embarrassed by the absolutely ravaged by injury Broncos? They lost to to a quarterback who completed 10 passes. That's like losing to Tim Tebow. Newton is one week healthier following his positive diagnosis for COVID. Think these are all checks for the Patriots. I did think this Patriots team would be really good. I said on this podcast, I thought they'd be 11-win team. It's looking like a miss for me pretty uh, so far. It is really close. And I do want to say, if I had a choice, I would not touch this game at all. At all. I would avoid it at all costs because we don't know if the Patriots are real. We don't know... You know, what Cam Newton's like. I, I, I just don't know what to think. And as I wear my 49ers Jerry Rice jersey, I am going to take the 49ers here. I think the 49ers come through. I just think, I think Shanahan is a hell of a coach. And, and frankly, I just think they're a better football team right now. So it's close. I wouldn't touch this game. It honestly could go either way. I've changed my mind a thousand times, but I'm going to roll with San Francisco here. Why not? Yeah, I think you know the head. I mean, Shanahan is a hell of a coach, right? So is Bill, right? I I, I think Bill's going to do everything in his power to, to make sure that anything short is taken away when it comes to defense. He's going to really go out there and try and make Jimmy G throw the ball and throw it deeper 
than than maybe what we're used to seeing. And and you mentioned some key injuries out or some key guys out. Could we maybe see a little Jamichael Hasty this week as well? Connor's holding up a, little, a couple of fingers. <laughs> but no, for me, the big thing is, I mean, team that is coming off an embarrassing loss like that, we're not used to seeing it. We're also not used to seeing it back-to-back weeks with this with, with New England over the last decade plus, right? I, I think for me at the end of the day, um, it's going to, I think Jimmy G may have his hands full in, in terms of, of getting that ball downfield and, and, and scoring here. Um, uh, listen for me, this is short and sweet. I'm, I'm taking the pats and, um, I'm going to take the over as well, just by a hair though, just by a hair. Uh, I'm taking the Patriots. Honestly, I'll keep it short and sweet too. I, you know, you guys talk about Belichick hating, losing Newton doesn't like to be embarrassed either. He's playing for a bigger contract next season. I honestly expect to see a good game out of him. Uh, and there aren't many coaches in the league that are going to know how to put Jimmy G in a pickle like Belichick does. So good point. I'm taking the Patriots. Good point. Well, let's throw back to you here. The Seahawks of Seattle are in the Cardinals of Arizona. The Cardinals are getting three and a half points at home. The over-under is 56. Connor, who are you taking in the, uh, in the Seattle-Arizona game? Uh, I'm going to keep it short again. Seahawks are going to win. I, I actually think this is going to be a shootout. I still am going to take the over in this. Um, yeah, I think the Seahawks are going to win. I think we're going to see another amazing game from Russ. I think he's just, I honestly just think he's going to outpace that Cardinals offense. You know what? These two teams play each other tough. You know, in the last 10, it's Seattle's 5 4 and 1, and that's with Arizona being, you know, pretty bad for a lot of those games. And so I had the Cardinals circled here and and I actually changed my mind about 10 minutes before the podcast. And I say this so that if and when now the Cardinals win outright, I can say that I was thinking this way. But, you know, you're going you're talking about Seattle as the number one offense in football. The number 26 defense in football is Seattle as well. So all the advantage you get from that, you're kind of giving that away. They can't rush the passer. We don't know if Jamal Adams is coming back. I love Kyler and the Cardinals love to cover six, three and one in their last 10. But what changed my mind was Seattle had the buy. They've been sitting at home planning this game for two weeks. Cardinals are coming off a short week. I'll take Seattle and I'll take the over. Oh, 56. I'm going to take the under. I'm going to be a sucker. I'm taking the under. Wow. That's pretty awful. I still think you're cool, man. Thanks, I, man. I I can't believe we just saw Sean take the under. So, Tomes, why don't you jump in and then I'll finish it up. Yeah, I mean, just just to tail off of what, what Connor was saying, I, I think this is going to be a shootout. I, I really do. I mean, I, I love what I saw with with Kyler and the Cardinals last week, albeit again against an NFC East team. We get it. All the teams in there suck, but, I mean, Cowboys really suck. Um they have more wins than the Eagles. Hopefully not after tonight. But you want to know the score? You want to know the no, score? No, I'll I tell you right now. I don't want to know. I don't want to know the score. Here, I'll pull it up for you real quick. Yeah, I got it right score. here. Hold on. I don't want to know the score. score. It's just loading. No, but but for me, I mean, I mean, yeah, Kyler Murray's been 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 playing well. It's fun. He's 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 a fun guy to watch. He really is. I mean, Seahawks defense has been getting gashed too, and they've been taking their lumps. But for me, at the end of the day, Russ uh, off a of bye week. Uh, I, I got a lot. Of, I see a lot of points being scored in this game. So I have Seahawks in the over. I really don't want to bet against Russell Wilson. And these games are really hard, and I keep flip flopping. Um, Seattle. The the thing that is worrisome to me as someone who would bet Seattle is that Seattle's played a close close games all season, part because of how bad their D is, 
versus the pass. So teams are never out of it. Obviously, Sean mentioned Adams is still hurt, and that secondary can really get torn up. Seattle's covered the spread just once over the past seven meetings versus Arizona. Um, Arizona just fit it, finished putting up 30 points plus in back-to-back victories, albeit against the Jets and the Cowboys. The thing here is that Kyler really hasn't been throwing the ball a ton versus that putrid, putrid Seattle pass defense. I, I'd be interested to know how that's going to work. I think, you know, I think with with someone like Hopkins, are we going to see a game after, you know, last week he didn't really put up much. Are we going to see one of those games where he goes for 150 and two tutties? I mean, it's possible. Um, but they have been riding the wave behind behind Kyler's leg so far. So they, they've proven they can score. I think Wagner and KJ Wright are going to have the work cut out for them. They will be monitoring Kyler as best they can. And you, honestly, there's no two better guys to do that. Um, I think it's honestly going to come down to who's going to get the ball last. And lately that's been Russ, and he is always thinking touchdown. So if Seattle's going to win, you have to think it's going to be more than six. So what it comes down to is, are you picking Arizona to win or are you picking Seattle to win? Because I don't think a field goal is going to decide this one. I just don't feel that way. I think this what this is going to come down to is Arizona's defense. It has been decent this season, although they do miss Chandler a lot. I think you can see a lot of Hassan Reddick trying to get it on the action, trying to get after Russ a little bit. If Arizona's D can hold up, I think Kyler and Nuck can score enough to keep this close. I have the over as an absolute mortal freaking lock. And I keep zigging while you guys are zagging. So I'm either going to go 6-0 and or 0-6. I got Arizona here. Well, we got two more. And this one was just flexed because everyone on the Raiders has COVID. So all things being equal, let's make this really quick. If this game happens and it happens on the regular schedule, I love DVOA. I think it's a really good indicator of where teams are. And shout out to Football Outsiders, which has been my resource for this. I mentioned this last week on the podcast. Uh, The best DVOA in football is Tampa Bay. And they are playing the Raiders. The Raiders are at home getting three and a half points. The over-under is 52 and a half. I knew that they were were second in the league in DVOA last week. And I still picked the the Packers because of of, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure he doesn't love this right now because he didn't score a point after air thrusting his way into uh, into into oblivion. But I I love picking against teams that just had a massive win, and unfortunately, both of these teams just had one. So I'm going to go with the better team on paper. I'm going to go with the better quarterback on ever, and I'm going to take the Bucks. I'm going to I'm going to take the three and a half points. I think that the the Bucks have the best defense in football. I think defense travels. They love to run the football. If it was a passing offense going into Las Vegas, that'd be something different. But I'm taking Tampa, and I am taking the over. Ian, why don't you jump in? Yeah, I, I was going to jump in anyway because I just want to continue to take my victory lap about how right I was about that Bucks defense. Uh, they are frightening, and what they did to Aaron Rodgers and Cole last week belongs in a museum. That was picture perfect. Sue was in there. JPP was in there. Levante was in there. Devin White was in there. You know, the secondary was holding up. That young, young secondary was holding up. I, that was exactly the type of stuff that, that Tampa's defense is all about. Speed, speed, speed. And look, no Vita Vea. It just didn't matter. They crushed the Packers. And how exactly is this three and a half? Now that line may change because of all the, Raider guys that are out. I'd be interested to see what it is now. 
Um, I, I mean, this is a this is a mortal lock. I, I think Tampa cruises in this one. I think the thing that worries me the most is that this Tampa team is painfully inconsistent. So it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Um, but I got the Bucks in this one in a landslide. I, I think, you know, I, I think the thing we don't talk about is Aaron Rodgers had the second worst start of his career last week. His entire career. That's how good this Bucks defense is. And if I think they dismantle the Raiders here, although DFS guys, Scotty Miller didn't work out last week. I'm sorry. Henry Ruggs, I like this week. That guy is leading the league in yards per catch. It's like 20 or some outrageous number. He or no, he leads the league in 40 yard catches. And I think he could catch one here. There he's making Derek Carr a better quarterback. So I like Ruggs in this one. Uh, but I got the Bucks and I got the under. Could we see some more Tom and Gronk action this week? I doubt it. I doubt it too, but I mean <laughs> Are you no, asking? For, because I would for, also like to see it. I, I I would like to see it though. I honestly would. It was you know it was nice to see. Uh, I think I think the the Raiders with their COVID issues on, on the old line might be the only team more banged up than the Eagles on the old line right now. I mean that's 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 just tough. Um, I think the Bengals want want to mention there, but it's not banged up. They're just terrible. They're just terrible. <laughs> Um, no, for me, to be fair, again, they are banged up. The, the Eagles, the Eagles line is objectively banged up. Oh, so, yes. you know, I, but, yeah. but, um, I, again, I, I think for me, it, it was nice. I, I've always, not that I've hated, I just, I've always counted out this Tampa Bay quote unquote super team this year for, for all the mouths I talk about all the, all the mouths that needed to be fed. But, um, Listen, I, I like what I see there. I, I think I, I don't think this is this is a contest at all. I, I do have the Bucks clear sailing to a win here. Uh, I had them, and but I'm also taking the under in this game. I like the order that we have here. We had the Battle of the Birds, and now we got the party with the Pirates. This is pretty awesome. This is a pretty awesome right, order. Man. It's a great job, it. guys. We did it. Um, yeah, I honest the COVID thing makes this. I mean, you got to go the Bucks. Like, it's terrible. I don't want to spend too much time on it because it just sucks. Any any time this COVID stuff happens to a team, they're locked out of their facility. They can't, you know, properly get ready for the week. Trying to do this stuff via Zoom isn't easy. Uh, I'm going Bucks. I'm taking the under. Um, if we didn't have the COVID thing, I'd also probably bring up the fact that the Bucks have been a bit inconsistent this year. But a I don't bit. think that's yeah. going to matter. I was being nice. Well, fuck. Final game here. We made it. We made it, boys. Now, Tomes, you can go watch your your team, and uh, we'll tell you the score as soon as we sign off. Bears are at the Rams. The Rams are favored by six. Over under is forty five. Ian, are the fake Rams going to cover against the fake Bears? So, why are the Rams getting six points? No idea. The Rams barely beat the Giants. They lost the zombie 49ers a week ago. Well, why are we talking about this team as if as if they've they've given us any proof that they're real? You know, yes, Aaron Donald is going to be a massive issue for Nick Foles. And if that line gives him any space at all, I, I, it could be really bad for that offense. But the, the Bears D is super, super elite, as our friend Mr. Koval suggested preseason. Um, they have given up less than 20 points a game. Jared Goff isn't exactly going to scare off Khalil Mack, 
Look for Akeem Hicks to have a big game as he deals with Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers as well. That is a really good Bears defense. I, I think that the good thing about the Bears is that they're 5-1, and one, but they're starting to find their identity as a defense-first team. I'd like to see them run the football a little more with Montgomery, particularly versus this defense, which is bottom 12 in DVOA against the run. So this is a team that can be had that way. And I think with spreads like this, as we talked about with the Panthers, every point matters. And this week, the Rams brought in Kai Forbath to back up Sam Sloman. He, Forbath likely won't be eligible to play on Sunday, um, but that can go one of two ways for a kicker. Either you know Sloman's going to end up being great, or it, it could totally rattle him and it's a disaster. And every point, I think, is going to matter in this spread. I just don't believe... The Rams are very good. It's too many points. I think if you are going to take the Rams, it is because you are expecting someone like Sean McVay to dominate Matt Nagy in this game. And I think that is the only scenario. Uh, that or an Aaron Donald massive game are the only scenario where the Rams can actually cover this. Um, the guy I haven't mentioned, you know, the guy we barely talked about this year is Khalil Mack. I mean, he is not Aaron Donald. That's fine. But he is a on an, on this, on a similar trajectory of a guy going to the Hall of Fame. He is a stud in his own right. He is going to be all over Jared Goff for this game. I got the Bears plus six. I got the under two. Connor? Yeah, I got the Bears cover and I got the under. I honestly just think this is going to be an ugly game. I think McVay is going to do everything he can to try to create space for any and everyone that he can, and I think it's going to be really tough for him because this Bears defense is just insane. Listen, the Bears can't pass, the Bears can't run, but the Bears can play defense, right? And I think we're seeing a trend here with with what we've said and what we've made our picks wise here, right? And and Ian, you said it, you nailed it on the head there with Khalil Mack. I, I'd love to see you know, a monster game from him here, right? I think he's due for it. Um, I, I just, I don't see the Rams and McVay coming out of this victorious. I, I just, I don't see it. I mean, not only do I, I, I have the Bears to cover this game, I think the Bears can win this game. I think they win outright. Right? I, I honestly think they can. And and again, we talk about fake teams. This LA team is, I, to me, I'm sorry, they're a fake team. I don't know if yep. it has to do with, with their schedule of travel, I get they're the most traveling team this year by miles flown or, or, or what it is. But 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 to me, at the end of the day, I, I can't see them getting past this Bears D. So I have the Bears and I have the under as well. There's one thing that I know, and this is my lock of the week. The one thing I know is that the Bears are five and one. The Bears are five and one. The Chicago Bears are five and one, and they will be five and two after this week. What I don't know is if six points is too damn many. And it's not. I'm taking the Rams. I'm riding or dying. Let's go, Rams. Let's get it done out of LA. Uh, like I said, the Rams are going to win this game. They are. Six points is a lot, but I'm going to roll with who I think is going to win. I agree with you guys. The McVay factor is real. Khalil Mack and their defense is great, but the Bears aren't we need going, to, aren't, the Bears aren't going five, aren't going six and one. I'm sorry. We, we we need to put some respect on Akeem Hicks. That dude. I said that last week. That dude is a damn baller. He's going to have his say as much as Mack will. That's totally fine. It, can he cover slants out of the flat? No. So chill. He can't. So the Rams are winning this football game. I just, six is a lot. I wanted to go, when we were sitting here listening to this, 
I wanted to go the Bears, but you know what? I'm going to be the pivot. I'm going to be the outlier. Let's go Rams. Boys, we made it. After all this, Daniel Jones being the 14th ranked player in pro football focus, I still want my refund. We made it through the worst trades of all time, and we got here. So I appreciate you all coming on. Tomes, Connor, we meshed together. Tomes, I'm sorry to tell you that the Eagles are losing, but Ian, please sign us off. He's lying. Don't <laughs> listen to him. Everything's gonna be everything's gonna be fine. Enjoy the game. That's we're we're not gonna tell you the score. I have no idea what the score is. I have, literally have not looked. With that said, Tomes, next time you see Sean post pandemic, punch him really hard in the balls. Uh, straight, I want to thank you, straight Michael Thomas. Yeah, 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 yeah. Except not in the face. Uh, I want to thank Chris you guys Paul. both for coming on. You guys are fantastic. We're gonna do this again soon. Um, as your pick champion to this point. I did a lot of zigging this week, so we're going to see how that's going to work out. Uh, but I appreciate you guys. And as always, make sure you guys are commenting on Instagram, checking us out, because we do like to talk about the stuff you guys want to talk about. Uh, hit us up when you can. And as always, everyone, wear your mask.